Okay, good morning, everybody. Is everybody alive and well today? All right. That's what I like to hear. Um, one last thing, kind of a last-minute thing I didn't get a chance to let Joel know about because uh, we just planned it this week. But on all you men, any men in the room today? Okay. All right, on February 18th, February 18th in about three weeks, we're going to be having a men's coffee and donuts here at 7 o'clock. And love to have you come out. You're going to be hearing some cool plans that we have for, for men in the church. So make a, uh, make, a, make a note in your mind or in your calendar, February 18th at 7 a.m. I am going to hop right into Scripture this morning. Is that okay? All right. I'm going to do it anyways, even if it's not okay. So, you know. Um, I want to start off by reading. We're in a, a series right now as a church where we're looking at miracles. And I uh, really want to challenge us as a church today just in how we see not only just miracles, but even how we, we view this whole thing we call the Christian, Christian faith. And I want to start off by reading three stories today that are all, that are all um, passages about Jesus. And then we're going to unpack uh, the rest of the morning what, the, what these, we, these texts are about. On the first one is found in the book of Mark where it says this. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So just imagine a crowd. Jesus is in the middle. There, there's so many people. They're just pressing in on him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I wonder if anybody can relate to that. You've had some kind of chronic sickness, disease, and you've gone to this doctor and that doctor, and, and you've, your, your bank account is getting emptier and emptier and emptier, and things are not changing, only getting worse. That's where this lady's at. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I, ju if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. At another time, we read that one day, Jesus was teaching, so this is a whole separate Separate day, separate time. Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come, not just the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but the people. They, they'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, from all the whole countryside. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And then just a little bit further down in that same book, the book of Luke, it talks about a great crowd of people who had uh, very similar to this previous passage, they had come from all over the countryside. This is a kind of a theme with Jesus. People are flocking to this man. And the Bible says they, they came from all over to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because what was coming from him? What was coming from him? Power was, was coming from him. You know, there's a couple different ways that you can live the, the Christian life. Um, I've been around the church. Um, I was trying to remember this morning as I was driving in this morning how many years I've been in, in like vocational pastoring. I grew up in the church, so I've been around the church for 
my whole life, all 48 years. But I've been in uh, vocational pastoring for just over 20 years. And, and there's two different ways to, to live the Christian life. I would say the first option is probably the one that most believers probably pick. Or maybe don't, they don't pick, but they just fall into this one. And we'll just call this one the powerless life. Um, the journey starts with you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and there's that moment where you, you call out to him, and in that moment, he comes in, the power of his Holy Spirit. He transforms you. He changes you. Um, it's this amazing miracle where you experience the power of God. He sets you free. He gives you new life. But as far as the power of God goes, this is a lot of times where it ends. And, and from there, you're the one who's more or less exerting um, all the power. You work really hard to develop some new habits. You work really hard to be a nice, good person. You know, you work really hard to not cuss out that driver who, who cut you off or that teacher who's just getting under your skin. But you work really hard um, to be a, a, a good person. You start reading a devotional whenever you have spare time. And, and maybe you get involved in serving in your church. The powerless life isn't, isn't necessarily a bad life, but it isn't marked by the miraculous or by transformation as much as it's marked by wholesome living and an understanding of, of Scripture. All of which, by the way, can be really good things. Um, but all of which can be done more or less with, without God's power. The only power that's required for the powerless life is something that we call willpower. If I can just will myself, if I can just make myself um, do something, if I can just put in the time and the energy and the work and the effort, then, then I can live this life that God calls me to live. There's another way to live the Christian life, and it's to live a life that is marked by the power of God. It's a life where, yes, you're, you're putting in some of your part um, to follow and obey Jesus, but but there's a high, high dependency on, and not only dependency on, but expectance, an expectancy that the power of God is going to show up in your life. So much so that, that people might even begin to take notice like they did with Jesus. They said the power of God was with him. And, and when you live this second option, people in your life, maybe your family, your friends, your church, might even begin to take notice and go, there's something different about so-and-so. Um, there's a problem in the church today, and the problem, the problem is, is this. It's that demonstrations of the power of God are few and, and far between. You know, we've gotten used to doing things that we can handle without the power of God. Um, we settle into programs and activity that is within the, the, the limits of our strength rather than done with the unlimited power of His strength. The miraculous is something that, that maybe we're not even sure that we believe in that. Is it even for our day and age? Is that, is that not just something from the Bible times or for countries on the other side of the ocean? What, what, what do we even believe it? Um, our prayers sometimes settle into to safe prayers, comfortable prayers, small prayers. We hesitate to really ask God for, for something really big, something that's going to be, and an, it's going to just obviously require His power. Rather than depending on the power of God to move and change people, we, we become dependent on the power of persuasion to change people. 
you know, if we can just have a better argument, if we can just have a more eloquent way of, of, of explaining God and Christianity and, Christ, and, and creation and all this stuff, if we can just say it a little bit better, if we can just have, you know, make sure there's no holes in our argument, then maybe people will come to Jesus. And we've settled into a faith that, that's devoid of God's power, which is quite the contrast to the kind of life that Jesus lived or the kind of life that the Apostle Paul lived. Paul lived option two, a, a life filled with the power of God. In fact, on one occasion, he put it just like this. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, this is Paul, the, the, Paul the apostle who wrote half the, the New Testament, considered one of the greatest missionaries of all time. This is Paul saying, my preaching and my message were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on what? Here's that word again. On God's power. On God's power. And it's like Paul is saying, I, I don't depend on persuasion to win the hearts of men and women to Jesus. He says, I depend on demonstration, not persuasion. I depend on demonstration. I depend on God showing up in power so that when people do come to Jesus, they won't have a weak faith, a shallow faith, a faith that will only last during the good times, a faith that will only last as long as someone that's a little smarter, a little more intellectual, can't come along and punch some holes in, in the, 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 what they believe. Instead, he says, their faith will be anchored on who God is. It'll rest on the powerful work of transformation that he's done in their lives so that when others question their faith or when the enemy tries to come in there and, and get them to question or to doubt, they will say, no, I have encountered the living God. I know who I'm, I've believed in. And, and so many people will, will put their faith and trust in Jesus and then, th and, and then think that it kind of ends at having your sins forgiven. Now, I don't want to diminish the beautiful, amazing gift that it is of having your sins forgiven. I mean, come on, that's one of the most amazing things to come to Christ and he gets rid of all the guilt. He gets rid of all the shame. As far as the east is from the west, your sins are forgiving, forgiven, but that is not the end point of the Christian life. It is the starting point. It's the starting point. All of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we have a, a job to do. We have a calling, all of us in life, and that calling that we, we, we have in life is to bring the kingdom of God into this world. It's to bring the kingdom of God into this world. His kingdom is not just something in the future. His kingdom is now. It, it's, it's today. And his kingdom is made up of, of all those places on earth where his way, his rule is done as, on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is light, that light invades and overwhelms and pushes back the darkness. And, and I love how when Jesus shows up on the scene, he is showing us primarily what life in the kingdom looks like. He wants us to see what it looks like to follow God's way. He wants you and me to see, when you read the New Testament and you read the Gospels and you read Jesus walking this earth, what Jesus is doing is he is showing you and me, followers of him, what it looks like to live uh, the, his, his kingdom, for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in, in heaven. He comes not just to preach good sermons and doctrine. No, he comes bringing his rule and his reign. And in the, in the age that, that we live in, that rule and reign is where? It's primarily right here. He didn't come to set up governments and, 
and uh, armies and castles and all that kind of stuff. No, he came and set up his reign right here in our hearts. And of course, that plays out into how we live our lives and the, the spaces that we find ourselves in. But he came to, to bring his kingdom, his kingdom to people's lives. And right from the very beginning of his public ministry, the Bible says that he came saying this. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And why had it come near? Because King Jesus was near. But did Jesus just preach and declare the kingdom? Did he just, you know, did he just stay inside the four walls of a, of, a, of a church building and tell people what the kingdom of God was like? Did he go around trying to persuade people to walk in freedom, to, to live with peace and joy? No, like Paul, he didn't move people through persuasion, through arguing and debating and writing doctrinal statements in theology. He came, you got to catch this, he came with a demonstration of Holy Spirit-enabled power. A demonstration of power. And so, so how'd that look? Well, so when Peter and the boys are out fishing one night and they just can't, they just can't catch any fish, does Jesus come along with, uh, you know, he pulls up his YouTube, hey guys, I found this great video on how to catch more fish. No. He says, okay, demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. You guys are about to catch more fish than you've ever caught in your life. You're gonna, your boats are practically going to sink. Those with disease and sickness are brought to Jesus, and he heals them. People filled with, the, with demons are set free. The kingdom of darkness is defeated. He teaches people. Yes, he, he, he does a lot of teaching, but he doesn't just teach dead, stale, boring religion. No, the Bible says that as he taught, that the people stood back. These, these people who had heard all kinds of teaching, they stood back, the Bible says, and they were amazed because he taught with one as one, as, as one who had authority. Holy Spirit power. He speaks to the storms, the, the, both the literal storms and the figurative storms in, in our lives, and he commands them to be still and be quiet. He's brought face-to-face -face with death on multiple occasions. And what does he do? He raises the dead to life. His kingdom invades. Listen, there is, there's nowhere in Scripture where you see the kingdom of God severed from the power of God. It's nowhere. It, there's there's no, nowhere where those are separated. Where you have the kingdom of God, you have the power of God. And, and this idea of separating the kingdom of God from the power of God, you got to understand something. This is an, an invention of the modern church era where control and safety and comfort are some of the more bigger things that we value. You know, there's this verse in the Bible where it describes Jesus as the Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah. A lion is powerful. A lion instills a good, healthy fear in people. It can't be contained. But it's like, rather than have the lion of Judah, you know, I heard one person put it uh, one time, it's like we've traded the lion of Judah for a domesticated house cat that's had his claws all clipped off and is not allowed to go on the, the furniture because it might get it dirty. But make no mistake about it, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of what? Of power. It's not a matter of talk, but of power. On um, this last week, uh, Pastor, um, probably more, one of the more well-known pastors in America, a guy named Andy Stanley, uh, he pastors a church over in uh, the Atlanta area, multi-site church called North Point. He's written all kinds of books. His dad is the well-known radio host, author, Charles Stanley. And 
This last week, though, um, Andy Stanley got in some hot water with the whole religious crowd. And in this sermon that he preached just last week, he made, a, he made a statement that got a lot of people really upset. And the statement was this. Uh, he said, the Bible says it's not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults. Say that one more time. He said, the Bible says, in quotes, is not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults. In other words, if there's somebody in your life who, who doesn't know Jesus, maybe they've never heard the gospel, they, they don't know anything about the Bible, or maybe there's someone in your life that has, has maybe as a, as a child, they went to a Sunday school or something, but they just have not been around church for a long, long, long time. What he says here is the wrong way to introduce them to the faith is by starting a conversation with, the Bible says. You know, the Bible says, this is how the world was made. The Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says, you must be born again. The Bible says, we're not supposed to live selfishly, but instead we're supposed to love others. The Bible says. And of course, you can understand why there was a little bit of pushback, because people, like they do in the whole internet, social media age, is they automatically jump to all these conclusions about what was said, even though that's not really what was the, the intention or the heart or the motivation behind it. But people thought, okay, oh, Andy Stanley is diminishing the importance of Scripture. He's saying the Bible says is, is not enough. But I got to tell you, I agree with Andy Stanley, and the reason is because I think Jesus and Paul would also agree with Andy Stanley. Jesus didn't show up on the scene just quoting Scripture. He didn't. He showed up in power. People experienced him. You know, sometimes in the church world, we kind of shy away from this word experience. And there's this fear that uh, your faith is just going to become all about experience. And yes, there is that possibility. We probably all have seen it. But, but understand something. God is a, a God not just to know cerebrally up here in your head. He's, he's a God to be experienced. And he wants you to experience him. Can you imagine being married to someone and you just know all about them, but you never actually experience them? That would be pretty lame. God does, he wants you to experience him. And so he shows up. And when he shows up, it's not just quoting scripture. No, he shows up with that demonstration of power. People experienced his joy, his healing, his freedom, his life. And it was the same thing with Paul. You know, the church of Corinth that Paul wrote this, this uh, scripture that we just read the church of Corinth was actually a church that was very well known for some great teaching. They had a lot of people that were really good at talking, a lot of people that were very eloquent in the words, a lot of people that could string together arguments and debates and all this kind of stuff. But Paul is saying, hey, there's a place for teaching. He's not slamming teaching. There's a place for talking, but the kingdom of God is also supposed to be marked with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And to the church in Rome, Paul wrote these words. He says, so I've have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done for me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the, the, the Gentiles to God by my message. So there he says, there's some teaching that goes on by my message. Scripture's important, but not just that. He says, I, I bring the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. Paul is not interested in ministering 
apart from God demonstrating his power outwardly through miracles and inwardly through hearts and lives that are being transformed. And a good question to ask ourselves is if Paul was not interested in, in, in ministering and serving apart from God's power, why are we? Why are we? And I'm not just talking we here. I mean, obviously I'm preaching to us as a church, but even the broader, the broader church, um, why are we? And, and I don't know about you, but do you ever get the sense that when you read the Bible, you know, it's a book that we have that we just treasure, do you ever get the sense when you read the Bible and you compare what you read the Bible to what you see today, do you ever get the sense that something is missing? That something's missing? And if you ever get that sense, it's because there is something missing. We're, we're missing the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. In fact, Scripture warns us that in the last days, this is going to happen. Scripture warns us in 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says that, that people in the last days are going to have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Can I just be very real with you today? I actually take that warning very seriously. And my heart is to pastor and be a part of a church where there is clear evidence of the power of God at work among us. I've got no interest in being a part of a, of, of being a part of a church in where, where we just, we, we, we sever the, the, the power of God from everything else we do. I would love for us, and I know a lot of you, this is your heart too, that we would be a church where the power of God is clearly at, at work in our lives today. And, and yes, we can always look back and see, okay, there was demonstrations of the power of God back then, and I can just like look around this room today and go transform lives everywhere where the power of God showed up in a miraculous way he took your life and transformed it and changed it. All amazing stuff where he brought his healing, his freedom, evidence of the, the power of God, which we celebrate, but, but wouldn't it be awesome to see clear evidence of the power of God in our lives today? Today. Um, Becky and I have had a lot of conversations about this. Um, as, not only as leaders in, in our church, but also as leaders in our, in our home. And, and, you know, one of our constant prayers for our kids is that they would experience a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power in their lives. We're not just interested in them being taught the right way to live and having the right way to live modeled for them. We want them to experience a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Um, I was meeting with uh, some, some of the CTK pastors uh, a couple weeks back just having some, some uh, dinner together. And one of the ladies uh, who is uh, her husband pastors, she said something, they have, they have a young daughter, and she said something I just can't, I can't shake, but she said their heart for their daughters that, that she would be raised in a, how she put it was, that she, they be, that she would be raised in a revival context. And what she meant by that is that they would be able to raise their, their daughter in a church where the Holy Spirit is demonstrating his power, and God is showing up in power, and, and where, where he is being encountered. And that's what, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what 
Becky and I's heart is for our church. That's what Becky and I's heart is for our family, is that, that our kids would, would know the power of God, that they would encounter him. And an encounter with God Almighty is something that, that you just don't miss, because when it happens, it transforms you. you, you it, it empowers you. It makes you desire Jesus more in your life. It just gives you a hunger and a thirst for him. It makes you want to live a holy life that's just set apart. When you encounter him, it leaves you changed. It leaves you changed. And, and when you live a life where the power of God is at work in you, there, there are some things that take place in your life. You know, one, so maybe you're here going, okay, what is that even, Rich, this sounds amazing, it sounds awesome, it sounds very biblical, and, but what does this really look like? Rich, I think maybe I might be the one, I, I'm, I might be living a powerless life. Rich, what does it look like to, to live a life that's option two? What does it look like to live a life where the power of God is, is evidenced in my life? Let me just give you a few things here really quick. One thing that will happen is, is when you live a life where the power of God is at work in you, you'll regularly see evidence of spiritual transformation. You'll regularly, you'll regularly see evidence of spiritual transformation. You'll regularly see it in your own life, you'll be able to look back on the last year, two years, five years, and go, I've changed. I was here, but, but now I'm, I'm living more like Jesus. I've got more peace in my life. I've got more purpose. I've got, I'm loving others more. I'm thinking less of myself. You'll, you'll have regular transformation not only happening in your own life, but you'll also have regular transformation happening. You'll see it happening around you. And, and I love that um, in, our, in our church, you know, I just, like I said, I look around, and there's we're seeing the power of God show up. Even just the last few weeks, we have a couple in our, our church that's been praying for some breakthrough in their family, and they've seen miraculous breakthrough. It's been good. You've all heard John Garner get up here and talk about how he, he, he had this debilitating lung disease, and this last summer, he's hiking up in the, the, the North Cascades. Heal. It's the power of God showing up. You will regularly see evidence of spiritual transformation where, when the power of God is at work in you. Number two is you not only believe in miracles, but you expect them, and you ask for them. You expect them, and you ask for them. And, you know, I just got to tell you, I may never see, you know, last week we talked about how miracles are all different kinds of categories. There's some that are small and subtle, then there's some that are big, and just like you, there's no question. Someone walks into the doctor's office, and the doctor's going, I have no idea what happened, but it's, you know, that type of miracle. I may never see that kind of a miracle in my entire life, but guess what? It's not going to stop me asking, because I know who God is. I know the power of God. I know what He's capable of. I've read about it in Scripture. I just have to walk outside this building and look at the, the mountains and go, I, I know, God, what you're capable of, so I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep expecting and, and if you come to me and you ask me to pray for a miracle in your life, I'm going to pray, not just because you asked me to pray, I'm going to pray expecting that God would work a miracle in your life. And when you, when you believe in the power of God, and it's, it, you, you keep asking. You know, how God chooses to respond to that prayer, that's not on me. That's, that's, that's on Him. But my job is to keep asking, to keep believing, to keep pounding the doors of heaven and asking God to show up in prayer. So when you, when you live a life where the power of God is at work, you, you not only believe in miracles, but you expect them and you ask for them on a regular basis. And just a little side note here, next Sunday we're going to be talking all about healing. And we're going to have a time of prayer at the end of our service where we're going to pray. We might just open up the, the front and we're going to pray that God works a miracle 
in people's lives. And we're not going to pray wishing. No, we're going to pray expecting that God works miracles in people's lives. Um, number three, uh, when you live a life where the power of God is at work in you, you notice when the power is gone. Many don't notice because they've never had the power in their lives in the first place. But when you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and then for whatever reason, it's not like it used to be. That's a whole different sermon why that happens. Sometimes there's just habitual sin in your life that just disconnects you and you're not abiding in the vine anymore. Or maybe it's just that you've let fear and doubt take over. Or maybe you've walked away from God because he's not giving you the life that you want him to give you. But you just distance yourself and the power is there and the shift happens. And when, you've, when, when you have had the power of God in your life, you notice. You notice. You notice because you start to depend on yourself more. You start, you just, you stop praying as much. The hunger for God just sort of dissipates. And then the fourth thing, when you live a life where the power of God's at work in you, you see the Holy Spirit as someone to be loved rather than just someone to be afraid of. Yes, there is a healthy fear of God that I pray all of us have, but not a fear that pushes you away from God. And, and when you live a life where the power of God's at work in you, you, you see the Holy Spirit as someone to be welcomed into your life, not someone to be pushed away because of some stories that maybe you've heard about churches that have gone off on the rails. But you, you see the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, someone to be loved, someone to be welcomed, some, someone to invite to work in your life. And, and the reason you do that is because you know that he is the one who brings the power of God. He's the one. The, the power of God comes through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. He said it, some of his final words before he ascended into heaven were, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power comes from him, and God's desire is that his power would be active in my life, and that his power would be active, active in your life. That's his desire. When I was a kid, one of my favorite rides at Disneyland um, was the car ride. Does anybody remember what the car ride's called? Anybody? Come on, pop quiz this morning. Autotopia. Ding, ding, ding. Um, it was my favorite as a kid, but I also got to admit, is one of the most disappointing rides as a kid. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so the reason it was so disappointing is because you see these cars and big name. Is it still there? Anybody been to Disneyland recently? Uh, it's still there? Okay. Um, but you, the, it's this ride kind of in the back area of Disneyland, and it's, you, you hop in these little cars. And, you, and I don't know why, but as this, like, seven or eight-year-old kid, I just had, like, Indy 500 in my head. And I thought I'd hop in that car, pedal to the metal, and we're just going to be cruising the streets of L.A. I don't know. But you hop in the car, and you've got no freedom, no power. You're just sitting there in this little tiny car. You can go like two feet this way on the—there's a little track in the middle, and it just keeps you right there, two feet this way, two feet that way, and it goes like 0.5 miles an hour. Hardly, <laughs> hardly moves at all. <laughs> and I remember, like, we've, we've been to Disneyland a few times with our family, and I always—I swear, like, Disneyland keeps going because it's all, it's all about— 
parents passing on the nostalgia to the next generation, right? And so you go there, and you just want your kids to have those warm fuzzies that you had. And so we, I, of course, they, I got to take them to Autotopia. And it's, it's funny watching the exact same reaction in them. Now, it's been a few years since we've been there because my kids are all teenagers now, just so, just to get that clear. But um, they get in the car, and they're expecting the same thing, and they're like, you know, halfway through the ride, they're, when's this ride going to be over kind of thing? <laughs> You know, they, they expected to experience the freedom and power of a real car, but instead they were stuck with Autotopia. The life that Christ calls us to is not one meant to be lived powerless in your own strength, lacking transformation, lacking miracles. He's, he has not called us to an Autotopia-type life. He has called us to regularly experience his resurrection power that uh, Romans tells us is inside of us. He calls us to regularly experience and walk in his resurrection power where we see demonstrations of his power. You know, if you're a teenager here in the room today, I just want to, I want you to know something. This Jesus thing is so much bigger than you just attending church on a regular basis for the rest of your life. This Jesus thing is so much bigger than you just trying really hard to be a good, nice citizen. It's so much bigger than that. It's about you experiencing the power of God in your life where you know the love of God, where your life is marked by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so... How do you get the power? It's actually not complicated. And I want to wrap up this morning by just giving you a few things. Here, how, how do you get the power of God in your life? Number one is this. You have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You just have to be. Well, Rich, I thought that when I gave my life to Jesus that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that was it. Well, the Scripture actually says in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek, so the, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and words have, words, how, what they say to us is slightly different than sometimes what, how it was written. But that word be filled is not be filled in the sense of, hey, go and fill your gas tank today at the gas station, and that's it, you'll never have to fill it up again. It's be filled in the sense of you're going to fill the tank up, but then you're going to have to do it again. So I could tell you this morning, hey, make sure your car is filled with gas. That is, that's not a one and done thing. That's a constant. You have to keep filling it up. And that's what scripture is talking about here when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's saying, yes, when you, when you give your life to Jesus, yes, his Holy Spirit comes inside of you, but you've got to keep being filled. You, you, you have to keep going to him. This isn't a one and done thing. You've got to be filled over and over and over and over again. And I don't know how it works inside. The Holy Spirit obviously doesn't like drain out like gas, but there's, there's something about this picture that, that God wants us to see where it's, if we want the, His life and His power to be operating regularly in our lives, we have to be filled constantly with His Spirit. And, and, and this, is, this is about daily abiding in Jesus. It's about showing up on a Sunday, when you've had a difficult, challenging week, and it's the last place you want to be, but you show up, and, and 
And by the time you leave here, hopefully you leave going, oh, it feels like the gas tank. The tank was getting down low, but the gas tank feels like it's, it's, it's topped up this morning. It's being filled. It's, it's about seeking him. It's about worshiping him. It's about pursuing him. But it's the, the, the most important thing is that you are abiding in Jesus. You're like that branch. It's, you're in the vine. You're not disconnected. You are abiding in Jesus. You're pursuing him. You're going after him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second thing is you got to surrender control of your life to the Spirit of God. This might be the hardest one of the three for a lot of people. You have to surrender control of your life to the Spirit of God. There can be no two drivers in the, the, the path of your life, the car of your life, however you want to put it. There can be no two drivers. It's either God or something else. It's either life that's surrendered to God or it's a life that's got other stuff in it. Jesus said over and over again, you, it's, it's about surrendering to him. And, and usually how it works is we try to have God in our lives and a little bit of something else that's kind of directing things to you. Maybe that's uh, career, finances, family. I don't know what it might be. But Jesus said, no, it's about surrendering control of your life to me. And the life fully surrendered to the Spirit of God and obeying Him is the life where His power is at work in your life. And then the third thing is this. Live a life that depends on the power of God. Live a life that depends on the power of God. Peter said this. He said, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I, I know this morning um, that, Lord, you, God, you're speaking to all of us today. Um, God, just even this week, putting this all together, God, I just, I personally hear you saying, Rich, you have settled You've settled for a life that's safe, that's comfortable. I'm calling you to a life that's, that's bigger than that. A life that's about the kingdom of God showing up in power. A life that's not just about talk. That's not just about persuasion. That's not just about trying really hard to do all the right things in our own strength. But a life that's about the demonstration of the Spirit's power. God, you are speaking to us, and I'm so thankful for that. God, I'm so thankful that you're not a God who allows us just to settle in because what you're up to in this world is so much bigger than just us. It's about your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what you ask for us, God, is to live a life where your, your, your power is at work in us and through us in the same way that it, that it was in, in, in uh, those that we read about in Scripture, demonstrations of the Spirit's power. And Lord, I know this morning that, God, you're speaking to not just me, but, God, the different ones in this, this room watching online. And God, you are calling us to something bigger and deeper. And I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, today, God, would mark the day of, of just a new, a new beginning for us. God, where we don't settle, Lord, for a life that is devoid of the Spirit's power. But God, we, we are hungry. We're hungry. God, I pray that you would, you would stir up, breathe a hunger, God, into our hearts today to be people that, 
that walk and live by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your Spirit. And just as your heads are bowed, eyes closed, I just want to give you a moment this morning with the Holy Spirit who's here in this room. And, you know, I, would you just, you know, ask the question, not out loud, but just, just in your heart this morning, um, of your, just of yourself, do I live a life that is just absent the power of God? Do I live a life that I can basically do in my own strength if I just try really hard and develop the right skills and develop the right understanding? Do I live a life that I can, I can kind of manage in my own strength? Or do I live life in such a way that I just, I depend on the power of God? Just in the quietness of this moment, just let, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And he's not, he's not this morning here to condemn, to shame, if you hear that voice, that's not God. God. God comes to convict and to draw us deeper into himself, and he does it with loving kindness. But just let him speak to you this morning. What kind of life is it that you live? Is it one that depends on the power of God or not so much? And then, then this morning, as your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, I, wanna, I just want to pray for you this morning. And, and ask that God would, would work in you. And my question is simply this, as your heads are bowed, eyes closed, I just want you to have a moment with, with God this morning. If you're here this morning, you're going, I want more of the power of God working in my life, and I want more of the power of God working through my life. Rich, I want to live that life where it's marked by Miracles, where it's marked by transformation happening in me and in the people around me. I want to live a life that sees the Holy Spirit's power be demonstrated. If you're here this morning, you're going, I want, I, I want that. I'm just going to ask that you put your hand up nice and high. Awesome. All kinds of hands. All kinds of hands. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, you see every heart this morning represented by that raised hand. And Father, we come to you this morning as your people. God, my hand is up too. God, we come to you as your people this morning asking, God, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would be people that don't walk through life just kind of limping along in our own strength, but God, that we would be people who go through this life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us. I pray, God, that you would renew us. And God, I pray, Jesus, that, 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 that Father, as we walk out of these doors today, that, Jesus, it would be a, a new life in the sense that we are pursuing you and inviting you and surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in a fresh way, in a new way that we've never done before. God, I pray, Lord, that we as a church would be a church, the kind of church that is, that is marked by your, your Holy Spirit's working and moving. God, I pray that, Lord, there'd be more miracles in our church. God, I pray that there'd be more people coming to faith in you in our church. God, I pray that there'd be more big prayers prayed and more big prayers answered, God, in this church. Not for our sake, but God, for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory and that, God, your kingdom would come to this earth, to Ferndale, to this county, God, 
as it is in heaven. God, I pray all these things. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We all good? All right. I hope you've been challenged this morning. I hope you've been convicted. I hope you've been just hearing the voice of God calling you to a fuller, more empowered life today. So like I said earlier, next week we're going to be talking about healing. I know probably one of the biggest prayers that we pray as a, as a people is around healing. Um, I've got a number of prayer lists that, that I, I read um, from our church and different churches in our county. And one of the things that's on there the most is healing. But there's all kinds of questions around that. What happens when I pray for healing and nothing happens? Why don't I see God answer my prayers for healing? So we're going to talk all about that next week, and then we're going to wrap up our service, not just by talking, but we're going to wrap up our service believing that God's going to demonstrate His power in a miraculous way next week. Sound good? All right, uh, why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing one last song in closing. And uh, don't forget, after the service today, we're going to have some yummy, yummy soup. Don't leave without getting a bowl of soup. Um, Whether you brought some or not, I... I saw there's tons of soup out there, more than enough soup for all of us. If you're listening online and you're going, I want some soup, hey, you've got time, bomb on down here. There's going to be plenty of soup. But if you could also help us by, we're going to move all the chairs to the side, and then we're going to bring some tables into the middle and uh, get this thing all set up and have some fun together. So the buckets are going to go down your row as we sing this song. Chance for you to give back to God. But let's sing out this morning about the God of miracles and just invite Him to come today. God bless. Thank you.